0: So we are now entering into one of the most confusing parts of the year. This is really the beginning of the nine days. For the Sfarim, we get a break this year, for when it falls, different conversation for a different time, but it's fun to be Sephardi, a lot of benefits. We make it up by Elul, so don't worry anybody who's thinking, we get it easy. But then we eat Hametz on Pesach, whole other story. And what we're doing is we are culminating in what is supposed to be the saddest day of the year that's going to be taking place Moshe Shabbat Sunday, which is Tisha B'Av. And if you ask anybody, what is Tisha B'Av, they'll tell you, well, it's the day where bad things happen to us in history. We lost two base hamigdash's the city of Betar, all the stuff, all the tragedies that we deal with throughout history somehow is connected to that one day, the day of Tisha B'Av. And if you ask somebody why, what happened on Tishabov, they will tell you the story that we all know about the desert. If you remember the story, Jews are going through the desert a couple of blips along the way, but they make it all the way to Canaan. They're about to get into the Promised Land, and they're standing at the banks. And God goes, "Here it is. You're going to walk in in about a minute from now. Are you ready?" And they're like, "Wow, of course we're ready because we saw what you pulled off in Egypt. I mean, you were very creative and you had some incredible moves." We can't wait to see what you, got, what you have in store for those in Canaan. And God's like, oh, I'm sorry, you didn't get the memo? Well, you're going to be fighting. They're like, what, what, us? No, well, we're Jews. Like, we can sue them if you want. Like, that's okay. Like, we can heal them. We can eat them to death. I'll call my mom. We can guilt them to death. But, like, <laughs> it's not what we do. We're Jews. You know, when you see a bunch of guys come out of a bar and be like, yo, yo, the yeshiva let that let out. Let's cross the street. It's going to get ugly. It's never going to happen. We're Jews. We're not scary. We have other means. Fighting isn't one of them. Unless you put on an IDF uniform, then it gets a little different. But when you're ready, just a regular Jew, it's not happening. And the Jews go, "Whoa, are you kidding me? <laughs> I don't think so. And God goes, come on, you can do it. They go, no, 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 not for us. You know what? Let's send in spies, remember? Spies go in, spies come out. Spies turn around, they go, everybody, we're going to die. It's, there's no chance. The Jews cry that whole night. God turns and says, "You cry tears of vain, b'chias You'll cry for generations." That night was Megillah, uh, the Gemara, and Tainas. That night was Tishah Question: Is that fair? Let's be straight. God is supposed to be the merciful God. He's supposed to be our dad. Kel Rachum v'chanun. He's supposed to be the person we turn to when we need something, and he's supposed to care for us more than our father. The Jews through, Egypt, through, through the Midbar, they had a couple of blips. They did some things wrong. Moshe showed up on a mountaintop, brought God down, and God revealed himself to the world. Forty days later, they were serving idols in the golden calf. That was bad. They had a thing with inappropriate connections with the princesses of Moab. That was bad. They complained as soon as they left Egypt. That was bad. And all of those things, we survived. They're scared. The kid doesn't want to go on the roller coaster. And the father turns to him and goes, You're crying? You're crying? Oh, honey, get me the bat. Oh, you're crying? Now you're going to cry. Oh, you have, you, I want to show you what you got something to cry about. This is, this is Hashem? The Kurdish Baruch can turn to us and said, You cried because you're scared? I'm going to make you cry forever? That's Tishabov? Kel rachum v'chanon? How could it possibly be that this is what a Kaddish Baruch Hu told us? So I want to share with you one line that I believe tells the real story. Because for sure not, Hashem punished us because we were scared. For sure. There's one line that tells you the entire story. When the Jews come out, they turn to the people and they give their report. And they add in one line. And the line is, inu nephilim binay Anak. We saw these giants, mina nephilim. And then they say, Maybe I think, when you look at this, this line, you almost feel like it's not in Torah. They say, We were in our eyes like grasshoppers, and so we were in theirs. What does that mean? Because in my opinion, that's the secret to the whole story and the secret to Tishbev. So I want to tell you a story. I grew up, and I had one passion. I had my first love in life was an orange ball. It was a basketball. When I went to sleep, my basketball was with me. When I got up and went to breakfast, guess who came with me? My basketball. My whole life as a kid was basketball, basketball, basketball. When I got into high school, I played for the basketball team. And I had one game that I'll never forget. We were playing a rival school. And I want you to picture this for a second. I was playing on the varsity team, and the, play, the gym is jam-packed. And the whole game is totally close. We're tied or up by one the whole game. We get to the end of the game, and we're up by one with one minute left, and their team comes down, and with 10 seconds left, their team scores, and we go down by a point. We get the ball back. We call timeout. You can't even hear yourself think. The entire gym is jammed, and I come into the huddle so my coach can call the last play of the game. Seven seconds left, packed down by one. I go into the huddle, and on my team, there was a guy who had the greatest shot I've ever seen. He can score from anywhere on the court, and I knew for sure if there's one play left, the coach is going to that guy. And I come into the huddle, and the place is rocking, and the coach goes, okay, you're going here, you're going here, you're going here. He goes, Harari, you're coming around the bend, and he turns to the guy that's going to inbound the ball and says, you, you give the ball to Harari. Charlie, you take the last shot. I said, <laughs> it's funny you said Charlie. You must have meant him, right? He goes, no, you. are you I'm like, no, I mean, you mean him, him? him. You calling him Charlie now? He's like, I'm looking at you. You're taking the last shot. I'm like, are you sure? Like, because we have one shot left. There's only five seconds left. He's like, I'm sure. Whistle blows, we get on the court. And I am shaking. Ball comes, the guy inbounds the ball, and I come right around the pick, and I catch the ball. And as I'm catching the ball, my brain says the following to me. The coach is wrong. You're totally going to miss, and you're going to embarrass yourself. He thinks he knows. You know better. Here's what we're going to do. We're going to get the ball, and then we're going to pass it and someone else is going to shoot, and he's going to forget about the whole thing. So I come around the bend, I get the ball, and instead of shooting it, I pass the ball to another one of my teammates, who doesn't think it's coming, because he was in the huddle as well a second ago, and he also heard, Charlie, you're shooting. He catches the ball off guard, throws it up, he misses, and we lose the game. It's terrible, I'm still getting over it, as you can tell. (laughs) This is just one big therapy session. I get to the locker room and the coach goes all right everybody good game and my coach was like 65 been coaching for 40 years he goes okay everybody great game practice on tuesday no problem we all get up and he goes charlie i want to speak to you and everyone's like oh you're dead so i'm like you sure he's like yes so i wait afterwards and the cl- the locker room clears out and looks at me and goes what happened I said, well, I know you gave me the ball. I know you called a play for me, but I know he's a better player. So I thought to myself, you'll probably have a better chance of winning if I passed it. So I tried to pass the ball. I knew it was a better move. So he stops. I'll never forget this. And he says, how old are you? I said, I'm 17. He goes, how many years are you playing basketball? I said, I don't know, seven, eight years? He goes, seven, eight years? He goes, I've been coaching basketball for more years than you've been alive. He goes, in fact, I've been coaching basketball for more years than before your parents even met. He goes, who do you think wants to win the game more, me or you? I'm like, I don't know. He goes, the coach or one of the players? I said, probably you. He goes, so if I know what I'm talking about and I put you as the one to shoot the last shot, why wouldn't you shoot the last shot? I said, because I thought I was going to miss. And then he tells me a line that I will never forget for the rest of my life. He said, it's okay that you feel nervous. And you know what? It's okay that you may not even believe in yourself. But at least if you're on my team, have the decency to believe in me. Because I know more than you. And if I tell you to shoot the last shot, then you better believe that I see something in you that you may not even see in yourself and shoot the shot anyways. Because if I put you in in the game, I see in you something you don't see in yourself. And even if you don't think you can hit it, I think you can hit it. And that's enough for you to take it in the first place. Believe in me enough to know that I believe in you more than you believe in yourself. And I said, you're right, sir. Next day, like, I just shot every shot. It's okay. stop shooting. (laughs) The Jews come out of Egypt. And the Jews in Egypt, not just Jews in Egypt, because when you look at Torah and all you see in Torah is what happened a long time ago, you missed the entire lesson. The lesson of the Jews in Egypt standing in front of Eretz Canaan is the lesson of me and you in our entire lives. Because every single one of us live our lives and we all have problems. All of us have a problem. All of us have a challenge. If you're alive today, something that you have in your life is challenging you. The only people that don't have challenge are the people that are sleeping in cemeteries. Because if you're alive and you're trying in life, the purpose of trying in life is growing through challenges. And when we go through our challenges, we think that the challenges are bigger than us. And so many times in our lives, we look at our days and we look at our challenges and we look at our lives and we go, there's no way I can do this. This is beyond me. I can't. And as we go through our lives, what stops us in life is not the ability to fight for challenges. It's that moment when you go up against something that you say to yourself, at some point, I can't do it. I can't, I can't, I can't. I can't is the part of our lives that stops us. What is destruction? What is Hurban? Hurban is not failure. Hurban is giving up it's hopelessness when a Jew goes through life and God gives him challenges he doesn't get destruction when he fails he gets destruction the minute that he or she wakes up and says I can't do it it's beyond me it's not me I can't I can't do this and all of us have something it's a relationship or it's that kid you know that kid you ever have you have anyone have like that kid where you just thank God you didn't have him first because if you had him first you'd only have one you know what I'm talking about or Parnassa, or Shidduchim, all of us have that thing that we go into our lives and we wake up in the morning and we go through our days and in our guts, something tells us, you just can't, give up, give up, you can't. The story of the Midbar is a story of the Jewish people that stand up against something. And then when they turn to Canaan, they stand in front of Canaan, and they walk in, and when they come out, the words they tell each other is, I can't. But if you look into the actual words, what they're saying is, kechagavim. We see these giants. How do you know they're giants? How do you know you can't take them on? Kechagavim. Because, look at the words. It's unbelievable. They literally spell out their problems, because... uh, we see ourselves in our eyes like grasshoppers so since we feel inadequate we must be inadequate and God looks at them and goes who told you you're inadequate who told you you can't because you feel like you can't because you see something bigger than you I'm not going to punish you, God says. I'm going to teach you a lesson. That attitude is the core of your own destruction. Bechiyah isn't God punishing us. It's God showing us why we're punishing ourselves. Bechiyah is life, when we look around at our lives and we cry tears of vain, it's the tears of, I think I can't, so that I can't. Because the whole essence of challenge is from the Hebrew word nisayon. And nisayon comes from the word nes. Nes means a banner. Vesones. Because the only way we grow in life is when a kavesh who gives us a challenge. And so it is totally how challenges work that we don't think it's normal for us. Because if it was normal for us, it wouldn't be a challenge. The whole essence of challenge is, it's too much for me. That's what a challenge is. And the only way we fail in challenge is when we go, I feel like a grasshopper. I feel like I can't, so I must not be able to. Ma, you don't know me. I tried math for two minutes, and I can't do it. I must not be good at math. I don't have the friends. I can't fight this. This is taking way too long to solve this crisis, to solve this problem. I can't be this From I can't connect to God. I can't, whatever's in your head right now of the thing that you can't, Horben comes the minute you say, I really can't. And the sin of the Meraglim wasn't that they failed. The sin of the Meraglim was that they didn't believe in God enough. Because even if they didn't believe in themselves, they should have taken the shot anyways. Because the greatest aspect of what it means to be a Jew is to stare down your challenge and say, I don't think I can but God would never have given this to me if I can So I'm going forward anyways, because I would rather fail and fail and fail than not even tried. Because not trying is destruction. And if you want to know what regret is in life, regret is when you look back in your life and go, "I could have had this relationship with my wife. I could have done this with my children." I could have been disconnected to God. I had no idea that if I would have just tried a little bit harder, I could have. I could have is the person looking back on a life of saying, I can't. And every year God looks at us and says, stop blaming me. Do me a favor, stop blaming me. I'm giving you an insight on your life. If you think that you're gone, if you think that your life isn't standing at your promised land, if you think that life isn't standing at a promised land right now and saying, I want that, and God goes, really? I want you to earn that. Now let me make it a little bit hard for you. And you go, oh, I can't, I can't, I can't. And God goes, how many years have I been doing this? Am I a little older than you? Do I want to win more than you want you to win? How about this? How about you believe me that I believe in you more than you believe in yourself. And when a Jew walks his life and says to himself every day, God believes in me more than I believe in myself, you become invincible because you break destruction at its core. You know, the Chassam Sofer says this, and with this I'll end. The Chassam Sofer says... That every single day, it's an amazing thing. God puts, he doesn't say this exact line. I'll, I'll, I'm adding the, the basketball muscle. He didn't use the basketball muscle. That's me. Whatever's basketball is me, whatever's Torah is him. Just getting you know. Every day, God puts you on the court and gives you a shot. And you start your day off and God goes, listen, I believe in you. So we grow up and we hurt. We, the, the feel that we say when we, when we grow up is, Every morning they taught us. We say, "Moda anilufanecha, Melechay v'kayam, shehechazarta b'nishmasi, bechemla raba emuna The Chassam Sofer says, "You're not saying it right. The way you're supposed to say it is this: 'Moda anilufanecha, Melechay v'kayam.' I stand before you and thank you, God, Melechay v'kayam, the Coach of Coaches." Shehechazar to be nishmati, or nishmasi, depending on what side you're sitting on. Shehechazar to be nishmati slash c. You gave me back my soul. You put me on the court. Bechemla, with love. Kama. Rabba emunasecha. You have a lot of faith. In whom? The Chasamsofer says. In me. I woke up this morning and I still got problems. I woke up this morning and I'm still struggling. And if you put me on this earth and you put this thing in front of me, you know why you did it, God? Because you believe in me more than I believe in myself. And I walk my day and even at the moments where I say to myself, I can't. They're giants. I can't. They're so big. I can't. In my core I say maybe he believes in me more than I believe in myself. The fix for this period of time the fix for the core of destruction is a bunch of Jews that walk through their lives and say as big as it looks and as scary as it can be it wouldn't come my way if I couldn't overcome it. My dad would not place it in front of me if I wasn't strong enough to break right through it. And when we believe in that, we become a piece of Kalev Benyafuna. We become a piece of Ulo Nalev and Nirashnuoso. We become a piece of that small voice that says, let's fight, let's push, let's go. I would rather die in battle then sit behind the banks and stay in the camps. It is my bracha to us. And by the way, we're going to sit on the floor and say, I wish Geula can come. God's looking. go, really? You wish Geula can come? You can bring it yourself. Because Geula starts off personal. We want Geula in our marriages, and our children, and our relationship to God, and in our work. You want to really achieve Geula? If we really want a life of Geula, we don't have to wait for someone to knock on the door and say, it's Mashiach. You want to this time really sit on the floor and say, I want Geula, then we stand up and say, every single challenge in front of me, I know is, being, is there to build me. And I will not fall into the same trap as the spies ever again and say to myself that because I feel like a grasshopper, I am a grasshopper. If God put me by the banks of the river of the promised land, I'm going in no matter what. Because that's what God wants of us. And the Svas Emes says, when this I'll end, says, I think I said this once before, there's 216 hours in the nine days. Do you know why? Svas It says, because 216 is the gematria of Arie. You know what God wants from us during this period of time? not to be broken, not to be upset and sad. God wants us to become lions. He wants us to stand up and say, no more. I know what they did, it's not happening anymore with me, God. I don't care, I will not fall into that same trap. If we rise like lions, Hashem will bring us into the lands that we're meant to be. It is my bracha to all of us, that we, in our core, believe That even if I don't believe in myself, the master of the universe believes in me, Rabbah Munasecha. We fix the challenges brought to us by the spies and become the lions that all of us are meant to be. Thank you so much and all the best.